0: Do you think it's a, it, anything it, it, to do with a certain religion? Do you think? No, it's like that. No, it's no? more to do no. with a kind of a drug, isn't it? It's a drug. Oh, yeah. Well, those that take it want to be ashamed
1: of themselves. According to the Sun, there were. Thousands of empty
2: ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation.
0: Some newspapers have called acid house music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organisers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight
2: hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun.
0: There's there's supposed to be a drugs related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. All them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? (laughs) I wouldn't even go in the pub where them lights are. Oh, no.
1: They drive you mate, don't they? Welcome to the 88 Podcast with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. And on today's podcast, we've got an absolute legend, an iconic musician from the scene, particularly from the UK. It's the legendary keyboard wizard himself, Adamski. Welcome to the podcast,
0: mate. Hi, Wayne. Hi, podcast listeners.
1: So it's so good to have you on the show, mate. It really is, you know. because the thing is when we talk about 1988 1989 we talk about Mm. all of the artists that made that time special for us all you know Mm. you were homegrown talent and at a time Mm. when everyone was kind of looking at the united states they were looking at chicago and they were looking at you know united states you were our guy Mm. you were our pin-up lad you
0: know yeah uh, i i think the media were looking for someone <clears throat> to sort of represent the whole you know be a face of the scene because <clears throat> <Sure. clears throat> it was kind of faceless uh, You know, that people didn't really know what the artists looked like I mean I even met some of them but when I was at a party it still felt to me like the music was coming from outer space and it, it wasn't like these normal human beings making the music in chicago or detroit or belgium or wherever and uh, sure uh, sure but I, it, it was a very you know um it was kind of an anon- anonymous uh, thing that djs were playing the music and it was uh no one was like gawping at the djs in those days they were just yeah. having a good time dancing and with their friends and
1: uh and you're right and because it was that electronic music being made at home mm. in bedrooms it wasn't like yeah. a band getting a band together yeah and so obviously a lot of these guys you know they're bedroom djs or producers and they wasn't necessarily ready to be standing front <laughs> front yeah. and center
0: so, i mean i it, it they kind of made me a poster boy oh, and big a, time! I went, al- I went along with it of course you know, Why wouldn't you? i'm I'm easily flattered, <laughs> but no, mate. it wasn't, I remember, really, look, it wasn't I really my intention. I was just wanted to play yeah, music yeah. In, in the parties sure. I love to go to. And it kind of just, that's the path it took me. Um, I ended up being, you know, because I, I used to just plug in my gear in the DJ console straight into the disco DJ mixer, you know, whoever was playing Fabio or, paul oakenfold or whatever i just go into the console and <clears throat> plug my stuff in and play take over from the dj like another dj would with his box of records and play for an hour and a half or whatever actually i've got no idea how long i used to play for my whole yeah, sense for sure. of time <laughs> time is just completely warped
1: but, especially when you're in uh, that crowd and everyone's like cheering and going insane
0: yeah but then as I got more popular and more known you know promoters wanted to start putting me on a sort of platform with you know even by October of 1989 I had they gave me pyrotechnics and I was jumping out (laughs) of my skin jumping out of my skin (laughs) with fireworks going off and I'm just standing there trying to concentrate on operating my sequencer and my sampler and my drum machine and there's these like boom bang and I'm like jesus <laughs> and, and at uh, the same
1: time you're feeling the love and the empathy as well aren't you you know
0: yeah yeah and then you've got no, these shock factors yeah, going on I, um i mean it's better than guns <laughs> yeah which, um, uh, but i i um i did have a great time it just went really quick it happened really quick and it shot by really quick i mean life <laughs>
1: It did. I remember like, yeah. you know, at the height of it, I remember, I mean, I've got the newspaper clippings myself that I that I cut out from the newspapers at the time. Mm. And I can't remember if it was The Sun or the newspaper. And there was a big article, you know, you took up half the page, uh, DJ Adamski, 150 grand to play at Disneyland. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But they made that up. I, I, mean, know, they, it's I thin, yeah. since since then there has been raves at Disneyland. I think, sure, you know, apparently, yeah, but yeah. They, they and, and DJs have got incredible.
1: more than 150 grand.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. I mean, like you know, Paul and grand. Carl, you know, yeah. he's
1: like on like seven figures now, Carl, for a set
0: yeah yeah like 150 grand is like peanuts yeah i him. think like the last
1: you know can you imagine i wouldn't, think the last get space out of bed
0: for less than i think like the closing
1: yeah. of space he got like mm. a million wow, got, wow yeah that that was the word you know mm. but i mean so but then i remember there was a picture mm. of you and then there was because was that a record company spin or was that just a media doing their spin uh i think the record
0: I don't know who they sort of egg each other on. I mean, my record, the record company I was signed to MCA, they used to say stuff that used to kind of get me into trouble personally and out on the scene and my relationships with other artists because they make shit up like, Oh, Adamski's producing the pet shop boys just (laughs) because the pet shop boys came to a couple of my shows and were like friendly to me that, the press department at the record company would get that and run with it. Then, like, Neil Tennant would be irked with me because he think that I'm... I mean he was the editor of smash Hits, so he should know better but
1: wow it, i didn't know, know that
0: it, yeah yeah he was that's how wow he, that's how they you know he had all his connections yeah but and smash, it's just for people
1: who might not know that was an industry n- industry uh magazine at the time and uh, it was yeah. a powerful magazine
0: i mean i think at this point yeah. he was no longer the editor he was being yeah. a pop star He was but like, he, yeah, should know, Boys. he should know that you know, major spin. labels yeah. press departments do this stuff, and he didn't have to. Kind but maybe, of go maybe that was his. Me.
1: But maybe that was his press department pretending. Mm. <laughs> I, I
0: don't know. You, you know, know like you,
1: you, you, you got a beef with him, and it's like, no, dude, that was like some, you know, intern at yeah. the office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, no, I, don't, I don't, was, don't care. You know,
0: he ch- he changed his tune with me out in the. Oh, okay. Know, well, was, that's different. They were very friendly with me, and then all of a sudden oh, they different. weren't friendly with me and yeah. i you know unless i'd done something like insulted them when i was drunk and forgot or something i don't sure know why didn't. they no i mean i did tend to i had a bit of a bad habit of <laughs> of insulting people when I was drunk, completely <laughs> yeah. forgetting and then i'd see them a couple of weeks later and be like hey how are you and they'd be like get away from me <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I remember when um, going like back to the beginning. I remember meeting you in Chelsea at Natalie's place, your former partner, uh-huh. and uh, myself and, and Andrew. you remember Andrew from Genesis? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Well, that, uh,
0: the funny thing that I forgot when I was talking to you the other day, but Andrew, when I moved to when I was seventeen and I would just moved to London from the sticks. And uh, I lived in uh, Homerton, Hackney.
2: Hey. And
0: and I lived in this little road, and on the corner, Andy's family ran the offie. The the, off yeah, ran that offie. And yeah. that was that was my local offie. And no I was way.
2: Like,
0: I was like a budding out. Alco- you know, what I was doing at the time, I was busking in Leicester Square. And I'd go to Leicester Square with my acoustic guitar, play music until I'd kind of I'd play until I plucked up enough courage to buy, like, uh, a can of special brew and then carry on playing till I got, play, got made... home or something, to, yeah, yeah. To get, yeah, well... To 10 smoke or food, hedges, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then in the end, I'd have about six quid and I'd get the bus back to Hackney and then go in Andy's shop
1: no way. and buy some,
0: buy some bread and cheese and beans and a couple of cans of special brew. So I used to see him, like, every day. What a then, small world. I know. And then two years later, well, three years But but those days, years seemed a lot longer. And yeah. shortly after that, he's, like, promoting this, like, massive parties, and I'm, like, kind of known for providing entertainments at these events and who would have thought you know this guy with his acoustic guitar and I just thought oh he's a nice you know family you know son working in his family's shop yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. of course he was uh,
1: (laughs) he still is he's still alive (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah but I mean he's not still working in his family's shop
1: no it's a restaurant now
0: oh is it yeah, yeah. that
1: that yeah. area has been gentrified isn't it Something. yeah but um so when you met up with andrew again andrew for those who don't know was my partner in genesis but when you met up again late in later in years in chelsea yeah. did you recognize that yeah. that was andrew from the off-license off
0: I think, well, I think he, I probably he, didn't, he it would have okay. been too, too yeah. surreal, but he, he yeah. told me, I remember him okay. telling me that, yeah. oh, you know, you used to come in my dad's shop. No wow.
1: way, dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so I um, mean,
1: I remember at that time, because I remember we came up the house and I remember you were playing us some of your music on mm. the cassette box. Okay. Know, and you were so quiet, you know, mm. and then like a couple of weeks later, we was we saw you on stage. And then you you know, you it was almost like you you just come completely to life. You know, it was almost like this is where you're meant to be, you know.
0: Well, I was still I mean, I was had the safety of being behind my machines. I wasn't really it wasn't like I was But you're um... still
1: you're still solo though.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well sometimes I had my MC. Yeah, you had Chester. Yeah, if he And he was great. Yeah (laughs) He was, he was great he was like He was my flatmate and we, you know, it was great when he came along and support. It was great to have a mate along with me, like supporting me and, you know, geeing me up to the crowd. But sometimes he didn't come. Sometimes he did. It was like however he felt like. Yeah,
1: because um, obviously he was going through his own, you know, journey of self-discovery as well, as we all were.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was all all random, uh, you know, like that no, we didn't have stylists and choreographers and songwriters and anybody saying what to do. It was just, went from one to the next, you know, like I, I remember playing in the, the dungeons in Leebridge Road and just turning up because I had my gear in the car because I'd been playing at some other club or rave or something. And like me and my manager Phil going, oh, you know, we fancy, going to the dungeon we've got the gear in the car I don't want to leave it outside turning up at the dungeon saying to the bouncer oh I'm the, I'm the PA and then going oh are well, you all right then in you go walking in going up to the DJ saying I'm the PA I'm on in like 20 minutes or something and they're like yeah okay cool and like me plugging in and doing a set and you can never ever ever do that now it likewise you know in uh Ibiza in 1988 going to the opening of Amnesia and just because I had a like bright green and orange jacket on and stuff and going up to the you know girl with the guest list thing going oh can, can, can we come in can me and my friends come in and they're like ah see you look you look good come on in and like Fantastic. now it's all Computerized and like passport control and metal detectors and you could I th- I think I guess they've got metal detectors actually I don't know maybe exaggerating but it's all a completely different world. I'm not bemoaning the loss of the old world. I'm just very grateful that I was alive to experience that world because our generation, you know, we we live on the cusp of this you know, the information technology sure. revolution, which sure. is like just as much as the industrial revolution or the agricultural revolution, you know, yeah, uh, the space age. And we've, you know, we saw those
1: changes, you know, yeah, all the way from that, the space age to miners strike. It. And we, we we've saw all of it. that. We've, yeah. str-
0: we've straddled the, the it's like the, the humanity's taken a massive shift And we've straddled it. And I think actually acid house culture was very symbolic of that change. It was, it was, I I also think acid house culture was like the pinnacle of pop culture. You know, it started with like Elvis and little Richard and those like rock and roll icons, pioneers in the mid fifties. And it went, up and up and up and it went really fast like the 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 um the advances the progression of music
1: and how technology. quickly mm. it
0: changed yeah and like styles and different but by the 80s there was like a new Kind of whole new scene and a whole new look and a whole new sound. Like every six weeks, when I was at school, it was just like two tones, synth pop, psychobilly, street sounds, electro compilations. And we did them all, all, didn't we? Yeah, we did. (laughs) It was like a brilliant time to be at school and all the all the. Because I I think uh, we're roughly
1: the same age. You're you're sixties, was you born? Yeah. Yeah,
0: sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah,
1: sixty-six. So yeah, we see that we see that journey, you know, and you know, one minute we was all, you know, doing break dancing and beat bopping and Mm -hmm. doing the robots, and then the next thing it's like. Uh reggae and soul and then electro. We had so many different delights. We were quite lucky in that respect, wasn't we?
0: Oh really lucky. So I thank the universe to have just lived through that culture. And it still excites me when I'm making music now. I'm just channeling all those things from my growing up and so many influences. I think the acid house was like the apex of it. It couldn't get any better. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, there's still been great, you know, artists coming along since some of these girls, like these super big DJs now around the world, like um, Nina Kravitz and uh, Charlotte DeWitt and stuff. They weren't even born when when we were, like, Aye. playing, making and playing acid house or the techno or whatever you call it. And um, they weren't even born, but it's still a fresh thing to them. Like other genres of music haven't lasted this long, really not like that as a, but then when it, when it all went off and it was just before everyone had a mobile phone and was, you know, a few years before selfies and all this, it was, you know, like about five, people out of five thousand people in the rave had a mobile phone i had one i had a motorola it was about that big yeah and i (laughs) the car was it the car
1: one that goes in the back of the boot of the car yeah
0: well i i had a charger right yeah take and and if you charged it up it would last an hour and a half and i had to take a rucksack around with me with the charger in it because it was so big and then i'd go to someone's office or wherever or some mate's flat and i go can i plug my phone in and i have to charge it all up and then put it back in the rucksack and then it was mental
1: but they were really heavy as well that battery yeah it
0: was heavy because
1: what you used to do because i had one in the car and what you do is you're basically the the bottom of it, which was a big, heavy battery. It was heavy, you know, a few, mm, good, mm. you know, it was heavy weight, and that mm. would slide into your boot. And then the handset, you just kind of <laughs> went into the car and just put it into the yeah. car. But the mad thing about it in those days is that no one would actually call me on that phone because it was like calling the states, you know. Mm.
0: <laughs> My I was on a plane once. I mean, like a a, a domestic flight. I was flying to Glasgow or something and the phone rang and someone <laughs> rang me i couldn't believe it i was t- on sitting on a plane talking to they don't wow. work on the plane anymore i don't no. know how the i don't know how that happened it's probably going through like the actual like plane's communication system sure. or something but cuz then they used to say um on easyjet and stuff you know you can't have your phone on and uh And I've, I heard from people that did an easy jet training course. The reason for that is it doesn't interfere with the the communication system. It's because if the plane's going down, they want to have the full attention of all the passengers. So they're not like scrolling through Facebook or something like they're there. Sitting getting ready to sit in break position because, the, <laughs> <laughs> because the plane's about to go into the side of a mountain but, uh, but let me take the, you
1: back to um let me take you sorry. back to that no that's okay mate because uh, it's technology and this was what how what we had to do with at the time you know mm. um but let me take you back to that opening night at, at amnesia in Ibiza I mean what what was that like for an experience did you did you play there
0: uh, the, well, the first year I went, no, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I went yeah, in yeah. eighty eight um, as a, as a punter. As I said, I blagged right, it yeah. in because I, because right, I had so. a fancy jacket on, <laughs> and uh, the, then ha- I in a in a million years dreams be you know beyond my wildest dreams. Didn't think that a year later I would be like playing there alongside Alfredo. Who was considered then, I guess, to be the most important DJ in the world? For sure. Cer- yeah. Certainly the most. influential uh, was he was superstar
1: DJ level, without you know yeah. being the humblest of guys.
0: You know? Well, it, yeah. Well, it yeah. well in um, in ID magazine or the Face, one of those they called him DJ of the decade because yeah. really, I mean, he wasn't making the you know a lot of I mean the. the it was a lot of DJs in America and around the world, but predominantly in Chicago, New York, and Detroit, making the tunes. But he was the one that kind of brought, brought played it in such a way that it it gained its popularity in Europe. And he, sure. it, Amnesia, was like the epicenter of the whole yeah. scene. You know, in in nineteen eighty nine, and he I was the was just,
1: ringmaster. Mm.
0: Yeah, and he played every night, all night. It wasn't like you know, two years later they had like twenty DJs playing there. You know, it he was it was like it was kind of like family. It was like a like a cult, but you know, yeah, but like, not a cult.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: you yeah, he you you he'd have a, a quite a lot of tunes you knew you were going to hear, not in which order, but then all he'd always throw these things in that would be like wow and it was just all different kinds of music but the thread that held it all together was like electronic you know house music and and techno and 88 was a lot of acid house and uh but i mean by by 1989 you know the 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 elite crowd, the sort of boys' own, and that was like, oh, acid is so passe, and they wouldn't, they couldn't <laughs> say acid. And it, it was uh, to them, it was already
1: my, dead. Yeah.
0: yeah, My friend, it wasn't dead at all. Well, no, he I mean, was just beginning and for still, us. it yeah. still isn't thirty-two years. Yeah, later. Yeah, I agree. But uh, but my my mate Ricardo Deforce, who sadly passed away about seven years ago. Listen. He was the he was the MC at Amnesia, and uh, right. he uh, he he was Alfredo's friend and my friend. I'd met him. He was with the Shock Sound System, yeah. which is Ashley Beadle's old crew, who I met in eight. Legendary crew, in, yeah. Um, and then I'd met I'd met Ricky with that lot, um, Ashley and Dean and Paul and. Um, I met him then and then I when I turned up with my keyboard and drum machine in, in amnesia in eighty-nine, I turned up for the sound check. There's a familiar face from London, because I didn't really know anyone there either. I'd only just met Alfredo a few days before and he'd said, okay. you know, in London I'd been introduced to him by Paul Oakenfold and he'd said, you know, please come and play at the opening night of my club. And and it is, you know, Alfredo said to me that, in his opinion, that was the best party ever. So I feel so wow. um, feel so honoured and privileged to have played at what who was considered one of the most influential DJs ever. Sure. His, it, the best party ever, and I was a part of it. And I, I love. Yeah,
1: mate. Excellent. Like I've
0: ha- I love. I've had the life I've had, and. And I did. I, in the old days, I would have gone, no, oh, I think they like me. But now I can say I smashed it.
2: You, I've, you I've, did smash I've it, grown, mate. Absolutely. I've
0: grown, out, I've grown out of being all like, oh, oh, I'm humble. And, you know, I I smashed it. And anyway, so...
1: Mate, you that, smashed it. Because listen, mate, right? Before we get to that Abifa 1989, was that the opening yeah. party? So what was that, June or yeah. something?
0: Yeah. Or but maybe before Matt, we get to that... Maybe, you, yeah, I'll like tell you male. what, it was it was uh, a couple of days after that that big biology that was in the field, the first yeah. open air rave that was in the big field that yeah. was one of the best parties ever. Yeah, true. I was there And it, it was a couple of days after that. And oh, I you had paid to, there as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did three sets.
1: Yes, mate. And,
0: uh, I had to get and then then came back into London that Sunday evening and I loved that because the News of the World paper had come out with all this front page scandal about this party and it was still going on and we just left there me and my friends we just left that party coming to London and it was all (laughs) the newspapers you know people excellent having their breakfast and (laughs) But, but then I went to um Confusion. That party that was in Shaftesbury's on Shaftesbury. Yeah, Nicky Tracks.
1: Big love to yeah. Nikki.
0: Yeah, yeah. Big love to Nikki. Um, I used to also go there in '88. That was in Bill's, a place called Bill's Stickers in Greek Street. I think one of Aye. those streets off Soho Square. And I used to go there, and Robert Owens would be singing live, and he'd just be sitting behind the decks, and um, Kid Bachelor was DJing. And just sing it live. And it, I used to go there with my mate Jimmy Polo, who's from Chicago,
2: uh, and around that
0: scene. I know I keep jumping, but no, no, I remember no, things. No. And then I don't want to forget to say them. Totally.
1: Just say it. Just so, go with it.
0: So, so I, I, I had to get to, I was booked to play in the opening night of Amnesia a few days after that big biology party. And um, I hadn't slept for like three nights by this point. And I was getting the train, you know, I couldn't afford to go with like anybody to help me. So I had all my equipment, all my luggage and everything to turn up and find Alfredo. Basically, I had an arrangement to meet him in Amnesia car park in the afternoon of the day of the opening party. But in those days, talking about no one having cell phones, in ibiza no one even had a landline yeah it was like if you didn't turn up at it this was a nightmare at this time and yeah and uh, you I know, know exactly
1: was... what you mean the amount so... of times i've had to meet people in ibiza at a certain place at a certain time yeah. before the phones it
0: was a nightmare yeah <laughs> but somehow it kind of happened it was still the universe would like guide us but yeah. i basically I kept, I get, I get, I get on the train at Victoria to go to Gatwick. And then I'd wake up in Brighton and I'd be like, oh no, I'm in Brighton. And then I get back on the train and wake back up in fucking Victoria. And I just kept missing Gatwick. And it, I, in the end, I missed my plane. I went to Gatwick. And you can't, you couldn't buy a ticket at the airport either. I'd call my manager and say, can you buy me a ticket? And Set, you know calling from a pay phone in Gatwick and then I kept full, I for about 12 hours I was just sleeping around on the plastic chairs in Gatwick airport and then I would get woken up by airport security going like what are you doing here we keep seeing you around you know this weird little raided, brightly colored clothes as well. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I probably had yeah my little skinny sparrow he had drug legs (laughs) with my shorts on and stuff just looked like a little weirdo with but um and then in the end actually i went back to london because i had to wait another 24 hours but still nevertheless i somehow made it to turned up in and met alfredo in amnesia car park and did my sound check and that yeah there was ricky ricardo de force who um was a friendly, familiar face from London, which was great. And then we became really good friends. He, he's the, he, he was, God rest his soul, the godfather of my daughter, Bluebell, Natalie and my oh, daughter. Nice. And, uh, and he went on to work with the KLF, who we were also hanging out with in Ibiza that summer. Who I also knew from cool. before Acid House, when they were the Justified Ancients of Mumu, Moo Moo and they were making these mad mashups with ABBA and the Sex Pistols and Scottish rapping over the like mental music, Excellent. really challenging culture and art. You know, you know your head's
1: your head's like oh, missing yeah. from the yeah. There you go.
0: I forgot I had a head. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, He was like a giant, uh, you know? Yeah, so so um uh Ricky went on to he was he was on 3 a.m. Eternal, the classic KLF track, yeah, and also their big number one hit with Tammy Winnett. I just love that the KLF, you know, people would just do mental things, take big chances. Like, who would make a rave record with like Uh, Tammy Wynette, you know, a country and western singer, singing about, you know, the justified ancients of Moo Moo and the Illuminati and stuff, and and a rapper from London, like, talking about fishing in the rivers of life and it got to number one and they dressed up as ice cream cones and like threw a dead sheep into the lobby of the brits awards and classic
1: um you know all mm. these
0: kinds of things now people just and don't. they
1: wanted to bur they wanted to yeah. f- originally throw the million pound just in liverpool street or something didn't they oh, yeah um, but they wouldn't allow to throw the million pound. So that's why uh, they, they burnt it, wasn't it? You know, it's yeah, like, they, okay, burnt, they
0: burnt a million pounds yeah. and then they got sued by the Bank of England oh. another 150 grand for defacing the Queen's no way. notes. Come but man. they also, before they did that, I was reminded um, reading uh, the, the um, Adventures in Wonderland, Cheryl Garrett's account of acid house culture and rave culture, that they they were paid. They insisted, on in one of the raves and being paid in Scottish pound notes or Scottish ten pound notes. Their fee, was a grand or something, and um, because one you know Bill Drummond the, from the KLF is Scottish and proud, and he wears a kilt sure. and stuff. And they they insisted on being paid in Scottish notes. A rave in like Essex or something, and then they just went up onto onto the onto the stage or whatever the stage yeah Yeah. just threw the money out into the audience excellent threw their whole fee out into the audience that i just it was so mental that whole period of that's what i mean it was the picket the 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 pinnacle of pop culture like you know since then there's been a few you know obviously there was like drum and bass came along and stuff but that was that was kind of um, these I see them all as offshoots of that you know as amazing and you know influential as all these latter things but nothing quite uh, got that same excitement as when it was fresh because you know then then obviously like the major you know the BBC got involved and and uh, the corporations got involved in what was really essentially underground culture before and even i don't know i'm not I, like i said i'm not bemoaning the loss of how it was i'm just saying how grateful i am to have having been there and for for younger sure. people I'd, i i'm sure younger people feel the same levels of excitement about, about different their own. things yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. about right. their
1: own movements and that's all we're doing yeah. here and this is obviously as well part of the reasons of doing the podcast it's just like okay we, mm. we realize and we acknowledge what everybody else did within their own popular cultures and whether mm. or not that continued on for the rest of their lives we are just mm. trying to document and record what mm. our periods and what we remember mm. And so, the funny we're thing not is, discounting anyone else's experiences, yeah. we are highlighting our own.
0: Hmm. I mean, funnily enough, in '89, I also got to know Mick Jones from the Clash. Okay. Um, because I up. basically, because I I, I toured supporting Big Audio Dynamite, they kindly kind of brought me on board supporting them and a British tour, even though um, yeah, I was not really what they're the clash also before big audio dynamite um you know they famously used to bring acts you know like they bring like rappers in in the early 80s that that, you know weren't you know they rubbed up their punk rock audience the wrong way but that they (laughs) would they would challenge their audience by bringing them new things you know like suicide who are like the godfathers of electronic music that were doing it in the mid 70s they were an, an inspired craftwork. they're wow. my, one of my favorite bands of all time the clash got suicide supporting them and you know their Goal. audience were just like throwing bottles at them because they were just had a synthesizer and a guy singing (laughs) and everyone thought, no, it has to be like blokes with guitars and drums, like sweating and like, you know. But anyway, I got to know Mick Jones, but when I used to see Mick Jones in the raves, he was only like 30, but for me, I was like 20 or something and I just think, What's he doing there? I think like these guys were from a kind of bygone era, like the Victorians. <laughs> Punk was only 10 years yeah. before, but it seemed like eons ago, and that, and it was just weird. That was just my perception. And I think, and, and uh, Pete Shelley from the Buzzcocks, I, I saw him too, and a, a few other of these old faces, but they weren't old. They were like, 30 which now my daughter's 29 it's like it is just nuts and then by actually by the end of 89 i remember i was out at some party and these guys spike and neville that used to do a party called the hug club which is oh yeah yeah the seminal acid ecstasy parties or whatever they used to do legends
1: as well didn't they
0: uh yeah there are a lot of things yeah and the original
1: spike, but the original parties at legends in burlington street i'm sure it was spike right. and neville
0: okay probably yeah but um they were had a, they had a do in in holloway road i can't remember where i was celebrating new year's eve but they had a do in holloway road um out on new year's eve 89 and they were like do you want to come and do a set and i was like okay and I was with Mick Jones, and we went back to my flat in York Way, where I live with Daddy Chester. We went back and got my gear, and Mick Jones is carrying my gear down the street. And I'm thinking, <laughs> fucking hell. Mick Jones from the Clash is my roadie. It was just Quality. so surreal, like honestly. And then Quality. And I think I think at that party, I'm pretty sure now. Now I'm thinking of it that Carl Cox was playing. Um, he was, yeah. And it, it, uh, God, these memories keep keep one thing makes me think of another. Like about sure. about a hundred paragraphs ago, a hundred sentences ago, I was trying to say that about amnesia being the epicenter of the whole culture how important it was yep. and how important alfredo was hugely as important a, as a as a yeah as like a as a pioneer as a as a tastemaker as yeah. an influencer and again it was such
1: an eclectic mix of music it wasn't one style and, of music it wasn't just house. People. it was it was everything yeah. you could possibly think of this guy played and
0: people yeah from yeah. all across the like the genres all across the years you know no, no. it would be one minute it would be in of Franklin then it would be back into some banging underground ch- drugged out Chicago Acid House track then it would be like the Gypsy Kings and then it would be like Kate Bush and then it would be a really beautiful uplifting soulful New York garage track I mean it wasn't as chop and change as that I mean he made it just flow like an amazing kind of story every night all night every night Him, uh, apart from when i would kind of interrupt and do a set in the middle of it all because that that year i played the opening and the closing parties Come what on, i son. remember what That's i big, remember mate.
1: That listen that was. in itself is a honor you've you played the opening and closing parties that is a definitely a honor yeah. mate.
0: Yeah, I I mean, there's some, there's some on testpressing.org. There's some footage of. I don't think it's either the opening or closing party, but it's that summer. It's one of the parties, and it it it's footage of just people in the crowd and stuff. And the soundtrack is me playing live in the background. And it was miscredited to Alfredo uh, before, but I think they corrected it. But but the thing is. That summer, like how exciting for a 20 year old guy who the year before had been totally in awe of Alfredo and all of it. You know, it was like a world beyond the the edge of the universe. And then I just going backwards and forwards all summer, playing at whether it be Sunrise 5000 or... Energy at that film studio, you know, one of the yeah the well, most way. legendary yeah that legendary party where I was playing, you know, alongside Paul. We Loken all speak Fodin, about it, yeah. Jazzy so. M, and and um, and then going flying back to Ibiza, doing staying there for a week or two, doing a few sets in Amnesia, then flying Very back. Cool used to go to space um it space opened in 1989 too and it yep. was like there would be honest it was after hours it used to start six or seven in the morning or something yeah there would be about a hundred people there sitting around on bean bags and about 30 yeah. people on the dance floor yeah you're talking next on the bar yeah talking <laughs> about Carl Cox getting paid, paid a million to pay there. You could, that place, you could buy, the, you could probably buy the whole place and all its contents in 1989 for about 50 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you know, it, it just grew and grew and grew. To, to be honest, I found the place a bit like a shopping mall. In the last time I played there it was about 10 years ago. And I played on the, terrace and I thought, oh, that must just be that old bit where people used to sit outside yeah. on the on the wall and lie around in the sun. And it's about two thousand people and this and it, it oh, had no, a roof nuts. on it. It was just I it's mean nuts, mate. It's but then nuts. again if you're young that must be super exciting. Yeah. But but then I remember know, 12, one of the most exciting things yeah. one
1: of you know one of the exciting things of being on that terrace as well Adam was that you know you, the music would be going and obviously it's quite loud and for those who might not know space is situated right right next to the airport oh, and yeah. every now and again a an airplane would go over this was particularly oh, in the yeah. 90s it would go over in time with the music oh, yeah. and then everyone would acknowledge it so this airplane would go over just you know like just in between a song just right in yeah. the groove right on, on time right breakdown or something yeah yeah, yeah. And It just like shoo, and then everyone would just go nuts, you know. Yeah, great oh. times, a space of yeah. beef. The terrace, yeah. I mean, we never really used to go inside, it was always out on the terrace.
2: Once but was,
1: let me uh, take you also back to um, you also did Hacienda in 1989.
0: Yes, what I, was that like? Because you can you, see
1: the videos, I mean, that's high energy, yeah. huh?
0: Yeah, I was playing killer instrumental before I ever, I think oh. I knew Seal by this point, but I hadn't got him on that tune it was just one of the tunes in my set which was all instrumental apart from daddy chester like emceeing over it but that that wasn't scripted that was just him you know uh being a hype man on the mic totally so totally it was uh, on you can see it on youtube on playing killer at the hacienda in 89 that was, I think, it's in great December show, '89.
1: Yeah, uh, every, everyone's going yeah. insane.
0: I mean, that was so exciting. I'd never been up north before I went on the, the big Audio Dynamite tour, must have been in October. I'd never even been up north. I mean, I'm a southern poof or whatever they call that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snatch, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
1: Snatch, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember. I remember. I've never been north of the Watford Gap. I never. And it was so. And then to go up to this another legendary club and be embraced and given such a warm welcome and they used to let off all those klaxons and stuff in there which I'd never heard before you know you like it was just like so exciting Wayne I'm just so you I'm, can see it mate
1: just watching the footage is really really exciting and for you Adam you made all this music you know in your bedroom I think we might have lost you for a second.
0: Yeah, someone's Big trying up. to call me. I, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So there's you. You made all this music alone in your bedroom, yeah? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that process, mate. And then, we're, we're, then we'll then talk about playing it to people. But tell us about well, your process.
0: Okay. That's always been like when I all I wanted to do was make music since I was a little yeah. kid. And when I was nine, I got an acoustic guitar for Christmas. You know, I, I asked, please, 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 can I have wow. a, an acoustic guitar? And I learned a few simple chords. chords. Um And also when I was nine, I saw the Sex Pistols on top of the Pops and I was just totally intrigued by what, what's punk rock and what is this whole thing. And then I became, quite obsessed with Malcolm McLaren, who was the Sex Pistols manager and the guy that kind of orchestrated it all. He, he was a kind of art school rebel, kind of political um, uh, stirrer. He liked stirring things up, winding people up. And he brought all these elements together, you know, stuff that was going on in New York. And he put this band together um, and named them the Sex Pistols. I mean, most people sure. know this, but I yeah, just- Yeah,
1: no, but still, I, but
0: people he, might not. He, he was the guy, I for, I just somehow, as a kid, realized that it was his kind of genius that made this thing it, it explode, you know? And um, so I was really, um, I called my cat Malcolm when I was 10, like I had a ginger Tom and was Mal- my first pet and cool. he was called malcolm after malcolm mclaren uh, um and um so i inspired he had a huge influence
1: on our generation as well didn't he you know it, yeah f- it did from because, the punk to buffalo gals and yeah
0: hip-hop he, he yeah. even influenced back the americans themselves you know herbie hancock's like breakdance classic uh, rocket sure. you know herbie hancock's a real yeah. jazz guy uh Massive jazz song. jazz funk but he made this really electronic track that was directly inspired by hearing malcolm mclaren's buffalo gals and sure it's and that's a really... timeless
1: track even today that's a big yeah, track. yeah
0: yeah yeah and um um so and also for me you know um Oh, the whole the whole look of the whole thing too. I mean, I still, you know, my favourite things ever were punk rock and acid house. I'm a kind of punk rock acid house kind of guy, and I, yeah. I'm fifty, nearly fifty three, and I just don't think I'm ever going to grow out of it. I'm and I insane, hope I don't. Mate. I'm fifty four, yeah. and
1: I'm like me, I'm some a kid, mate. I'm so immature.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I I um, uh, so when I was at, going back to bedroom music when I was 11 I coerced my little brother who was five into being my singer just inspired by Malcolm McLaren and this whole do-it-yourself ethos from punk rock and I used to listen to John Peel all these odd you know very cheaply recorded things that you didn't have to be like Eddie Van Allen or God rest his soul or you know, you didn't have to be, you could just, anyone could like make music, just make some music. I recorded a little thing on a Tesco cassette recorder that I got for Christmas, probably the year after I got my um acoustic guitar. I remember these cassette recorders, mono, little brown thing, yeah, 30, I remember them. Yeah. 13 quid. And I recorded three songs onto there with my little brother. I was like, sing this, sing that. I stole the stole the um melody off a bubblegum advert for Bubblelicious. Bubblelicious, uh, li- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I made babysitters, babysitters. <laughs> and I took I took the lyrics out of Baby Crockett from the Beezer, was it Beezer or Dandy magazine? And then I took from uh, the Sex Pistols, well, from the great rock and roll swindle, there was a cover version of Rock Around the Clock. Yeah. With um Eddie Tenpole Tudor singing it. All these mental <laughs> maverick, like eccentric misfit characters. And that that the the soundtrack to the great rock and roll swindle. It wasn't just yeah. ang- angry, like amphetamine sulfate guys from a yeah. council estate playing rock like sped-up rock and roll. It was like classical music, disco. Music hall, Max Bygraves. It was just for so sure. diverse. That's what. That's what. That's the DIY
1: culture of punk for yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, do whatever you want. So I just really got that into my spirit as a little kid, and then I always just made bedroom music. I tell you, in the period that I was signed to a major label, they would get me to go into these studios that cost like a grand a day like Advision and Matrix and all these big studios in London that now I think I doubt they're even still there because you can do the same as what you had to spend a grand a day on in there to you can do that in a laptop. You could probably even do it on your phone now. That's 30, nuts, isn't it? But but That's they nuts. Uh, they I, I used to think, yeah, you know, I've got to go in a proper studio because I'm signed yeah. to a record label and they said this and they said that and I think and that's I, the same I, for
1: all artists at the time as well though. But
0: but I honestly used to get a better sound recording onto a cassette in my I lived in a bed sit above the Paradise Kebab Shop on Camden High Street, opposite, opposite the Camden Palace, which go is on. now Coco. So I used to blag it into there too, because my the girl that lived downstairs from me, above the kebab shop, we had like all adjoining bedsits. She Jeanette, who lived downstairs, she was the uh, head bar woman in the Camden Palace. There's so old. I could go in, have free drinks, and that was when like, colin favor and people like that would do yeah. Just 89 was it 88. 88 88 even better yeah orange yeah. i think
1: was there as well I yeah so. but
0: i also used to go to feet first which was more of a kind of student night and they used to have you know suicide the uh, uh, godfathers of electronic music i told you go about on. they played there this was in 86 i saw them there and um divine the the big big trans transvestite. i don't know if you're allowed to say transvestite anymore i'll get into trouble like um because you have to be careful what you say but i I love divine's music shake it up i mean in confusion actually kid bachelor used to play this divine track native love used to go step by step slowly i turn step by step come on and it was a you know it's about Five years after, but mixing that in to the acid house spectrum and yeah, in eighty eight, yeah. it's like that Chicago voice, isn't it? Like yeah, you, you know yeah. that yeah. We're well, here. Divine had this big. I mean, he he was a she was a big girl, or he was big, or she, and had this big sort of smokes too much drink, sort of yeah. yeah. And I I I'm, I saw her on the tube that that program the tube that was a wicked yeah. program that that's also part of my growing up we had brilliant music shows like the old grey whistle test and the yeah. tube and even top of the pops because top of the pops it was mainstream and national tv prime time viewing every thursday 7 p.m sure. You know, it was, yeah. every, everybody had to watch it. And the and, Tube was they, quite
1: edgier as well, wasn't it? I mean, the yeah, Top of the Pops yeah. was quite commercial, isn't it? Because everyone wanted to see where their song had come in the charts. But the Tube,
2: Still,
1: yeah, the Tube was edgy, get... rough. I actually went to yeah. the Tube once. We rode down, it was in Newcastle, Newcastle, they used to yeah. record it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we rode down with uh, The Cure, who okay. were really great guys. They were really cool. Yeah. We rode down there, we did the show. And then we came back, but we had a great time up there. But uh, it was oh, like cha- in Channel 89. Four, yeah. It was a brand new emerging show. I mean, the this Cure, was before eighty nine. This was like Lullaby eighty six or something like l- that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Eighty nine. One of Alfredo's like anthem tunes was Lullaby by the okay. Cure. Yeah, mate. And that was that was like ninety BPM. Or something. it wasn't a banging. It's this beautiful track with beautiful strings and it was just like, had this really brilliant guitar groove loop through it and that was a massive tune in Amnesia. It wasn't all about just 120 to 130, boof, boof, boof. It was just sure. I was so uh but anyway, we keep just digressing and, but, all over the that, place.
1: That's perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. Okay. I mean, and that's the thing though, but it was the music that actually had an emotional impact on us. All of those yeah. songs, see, I mean, they will play songs from the 70s, from the 60s, from the 50s. Mm. He didn't he didn't yeah. care.
0: Another one was um Glad to Know You, Chaz Jankel. Chaz Jankel was like Ian Dury's. One of Ian Dury's main songwriting partners, sure. and then he he with Ian Dury and the Blockheads, who I loved when yep. I was growing up, as a kid. Hit me so, with your rhythm he, stick. Yeah, what a, what a brilliant, what a brilliant record. <laughs> um, but um, Chaz Jankel did this song "Glad to Know You," and yeah. I actually remember crying. That was a '70s, I think, late '70s, early '80s tune. But yeah. Alfredo was playing that nightly in 89 because he just picked things out from different yeah. eras that just seemed to really suit the mood and incorporate that into his current set it wasn't all just about going to the 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 record shop and the buying the, na- yeah. the latest tunes that everyone's playing and oh right, you know I'm just playing it it was like it was like his knowledge of music and from I get he was a bit older everyone else too i mean i think he was about early 30s when sure and i think he was originally a a
1: journalist as well
0: okay yeah Uh, yeah i Uh, think he was
1: originally a journalist so he came from it with that uh systematic
0: (laughs) and then i was i was living when i was in uh going back to ibiza backwards and forwards in 89 i was staying in his farmhouse in the middle of nowhere with him and ricardo de force and Alfredo's yes. big Alsatian dog and um, Ricky used to wind me up he used to say like he used to tell me the dog's name was Fuego or something which was fire which it wasn't and and saying you know the dog will, the, the the dog would I'd be like tripping on acid or something. and Ricky would tell me that the dog wants to eat me and stuff he would just he was really playful and funny he was a great friend but I don't I think he never did. Not als- when you're on he LSD. He, he didn't yeah, he didn't get the he didn't get the sort of intricacies of it that it's not a good idea yeah. to tell someone that an Alsatian named Fire wants to eat yeah. them. But but still it was all, you know, spirit. An Alsatian violence. that's in
1: the house.
0: But we, we we were staying there and there was decks and there was a farmyard with, like, goats and chickens, like, ah, bah, 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 and, and, like, with decks, and Ra- Alfredo would be off at the beach or whatever or, off, you know, meeting girls or whatever, and me and Ricky would just be there. Or maybe Alfredo was actually sleeping. Oh, I don't know. But I guess sometimes stay- he was or
1: sometimes he wasn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, like all of us, really. You know, yeah. <laughs> like any human. Um, but we'd be like just rifling through his records and just like, wow, what's this? And lit, discovering all this new music and, you know, stuff like Manuel Gotching, that track E2, E4, which is an hour long. It was on vinyl. It was like half an hour on each side. And it, it they made, they sampled it and made that Sueno Latino track, yeah, which was a big track. tune that year. But, that what they sampled that from is more beautiful. And it's like, basically one night, Alfredo, that was, that was real. like, Alfredo, I think it might've been the opening night. He was like, right, i done my sound check. The club's kind of empty, but just sort of opening and the bar people are setting up their optics and bringing in the crates of beers and stuff. And the, you know, the lights are starting to, and he's like, I've got to go home and get changed. Can you like man the decks? And I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> and I, I'm and he's like, I'm like, what shall I play? And and he said, put that on. And and it's like, and then he said, when you know, so I'm like, I'm the DJ in the best nightclub in the world. It was cool, like, dude. what the fuck? And then when that one ran out i was playing um which he also told me to play was like the theme from baghdad cafe that i am calling you beautiful song because it was early enough it didn't have to be sure you know people are just filtering in and you know having a this is where the concept
1: of warm-up djs come from i guess
0: and then i played i found my brother's record my brother made this record called the garden of eden with steve jackson from I Kiss remember FM that song. that's a great and song pam hogg the fashion designer yeah that was my brother
1: yeah great so, song mate i, I bought not, that song oh
0: okay i bought that vinyl no, look, mate
1: great song with the bells and like
0: yeah them, and then the, bells the add bells on it yeah yeah there was a few different mixes yeah. The himalayan mix and yeah himalayan mix yeah himalayan mix serpent oh, in mate. the garden so I, I, I always visualized
1: loads of monks like uh, walking yeah, along and nonsense. then like throwing off their, you know, their robes and just going mad dancing on a dance floor or something to <laughs> that,
0: so that the particular first track Acid mm. House, the first Acid House track or maybe the first British Acid House track to get in the pop charts but I was so pr- there I am like I'm DJing in the best club in the world playing my brother's record I just felt like it was ah, I wouldn't have even needed awesome. those pits. I needed those pills to get so high I was but I did uh, I enhanced all the amazing stuff in my life going on with well
1: it was quite a a lot of peer pressure as well wasn't there no no
0: one needed to pressure me (laughs) (laughs) well the funny thing
1: is like you know in terms of you know taking drugs as a culture you know, like we wasn't really that used to taking different types of drugs. Lots of weed, so you would smoke. Mm. But for us, you know, we there obviously in 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 just down the road from here in East London, there was a huge heroin epidemic and stuff right. like that. But we never, I never took part in that. And a lot of people I know didn't take part in that. And mm. then obviously crack came along. There was a huge crack mm. epidemic, and I didn't take part in that either. But I mm. did take part in LSD. I took some. Uh, lsd in early 80s mm. and then obviously when mdma come along mm. i jumped straight on that as well
0: well for me because i didn't gr- i grew up in the new forest i was born in the um, cool. this isn't the new forest this is the vienna woods everybody yeah, i mean not Austria. And direct
1: from austria
0: <laughs> got some uh um i'm i think i'm kind of looking off Aust- no not really Austrian no no you're grand <laughs> but um i grew up in i was born in the village of lindhurst which is where lewis carroll was inspired to write alice in wonderland wow. and it's also where magic mushrooms psilocybin mushrooms grow freely so
1: it just so happens as,
0: <laughs> as a teenager yeah um it we all went mushroom picking you know like when i was 15 16 you go and pick mushrooms on a saturday afternoon and eat them on saturday night and and that was but there wasn't nightclubs or anything like that so i mean i'd go to the, the youth club the school youth club discos where i only they only played chart pop music I had John Peel for my alternative, more interesting music, but I did like both. I was Aye. on both sides because pop music in the eighties wasn't so dull. There was amazing stuff, you know, like the Human League and Soft Cell and Depeche Mode and the Specials and sure. the the Stray Cats. It yeah. was like lots of exciting times. Malcolm, you know, Buffalo Gals there was all different kinds of amazing things. So pop music was good, but then John Peel used to play really more odd stuff. And I kind of embraced it all, like in every genre of music, I can find something to like, you know. Um, So, But a lot of um, Saturday nights, you know, when I was young, um, would be just sitting in the park drinking bottles of merry down cider you know and and smoking joints and then be like lying in someone's little like cottage in the woods um you know taking speed and so you stay awake all night talking and listening to records and that was kind of my social life and entertainment and it was good and fun. And there was, I can't kind of remember, you know, we'd listened to a whole Frank Zappa album, which is pretty trippy. And then there was this (laughs) artist called Jim Fetus, who was also on the tube actually. And he, he had all these pseudonyms like uh, you've got fetus on your breath. He did an album as or scraping fetus off the wheel and it (laughs) just horrible really. But he did, um, this mad electronic music before I'd heard house music or anything like that, but very, um, like sampled and programmed, very electronic. He was on the tube and he got into trouble because he was like interviewed by Paulie Yates or someone. and He and he said, a, a woman's place is on my face. Oh my word! <laughs> and there were, they, he's an he's American, he's he's, like, I, I don't know what he's doing now, but. I think he was on the same label as soft Cell and stuff. Some bizarre, like, which was a really great label in the eighties uh, as, as well as soft Cell. I, I think the there was a, this album called soul mining by the Yeah. I
2: remember one that,
0: that. guy, uh, Matt, someone from East, East London, but listening to albums like that, electronic music, but not from the, the club scene per se. And, uh, also, um, you know, the art of noise and things. But those sort of records then, you needed to be rich. You know, Yellow also, you know, Yellow were like Millionaire, yeah. Playboys. Their music was amazing. Yeah. But to, to be able to make music like that, you know, a sampler cost like 30 grand, you know, at yeah, the beginning of sure. the 80s and sure. stuff like that. Also another great album, David Byrne and Brian Eno. David Byrne from Talking Heads and Brian Eno, the producer of David Bowie and U2 and loads of things, um, who invented ambient music. And they a great album, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts from the early eighties, that was, you know, a lot of tape editing and splicing bits of, you know, sample. It was a, you know, a it was a, one of the first kind of sampling albums, but doing a lot of it from tape and getting stuff off the radio and like a preacher doing an exorcism over like African rhythms and just like mental, but like really good. I'd really recommend that. Album. Very cool. But listening to stuff like that and just get, you know, smoking bongs and just listening to music was until I moved to London and then as i said started to go to places like camden palace also in 88 um there was high on hope at dingwalls yeah you know, i i didn't <clears throat> i didn't go to i didn't go to shoom until i played there in 89 because to be honest i was i felt i was petrified by being turned away and insulted by Jenny Rampling. It was too intimidating for me. I it didn't was know... very hard
1: to get in there. So, yeah. you know, I'd
0: heard about it and and I would really wanted to go, you know, I was picking, I was buying like Detroit techno and Chicago acid records. And I, apart from, you know, going to Ibiza in 88, I didn't really know where to go to experience it apart from, Shum which which just you know I when I did go to Shum Jenny Rampling would there'd be a girl trying to get in and Jenny Rampling would go get back in the gutter where you belong you slut and stuff and oh my it's like, word. I, I, I'm i you know I'm quite a meek bloke and I just to you know so I didn't go to Shum but I did used to go to High on Hope uh, because I lived, at, I, it was is further up Camden High Street by the lock and I lived on Camden High Street as I said above the kebab shop and my other flatmate well, That was a big adjoined, night, High and Hope Yeah, adjoining bedsit was living Jimmy Polo my mate from Chicago um, and we used to go up and he used to introduce me to all the like Marshall Jefferson and Adonis and it It was like Adonis came round to our bedsits, and I had my gear set up in my bedsit. This is a we would you asked me about making music in my bedroom, and this conversation's gone.
1: Mate, I love the journey. It's gone around the world. Listen, we love the journey. I'm sure everyone listening loves the journey, mate.
0: Adonis of of all the Chicago house pioneers, innovators. He's still my favourite. I think his music from back then, over thirty years ago, still sounds futuristic and fresh, and dark and sexy. And like uh, he produced um, "Lack of Love" by Charles B. That's yeah. in my top ten lack house of love records.
1: Used to be, used to be a lack of uh, love.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, he produced "No Way Back." Uh, no way back, he produced this track called Uh Shout uh, under a different name. Um, Jack Frost and the Circle <laughs> Jerks, but it had that acid. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, yeah, he,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: He, evil, evil Eddie Richards sampled that for that acid man, totally, acid dude. Man, totally. And he sampled acid man off Cheech and Chong, I think, which yeah. is another thing. When I was lying around in the forest, in my friend's cottage and stuff, listening to records, we would had to have to listen to Cheech and Chong, and it'd be like, "Oh will yeah. get back that with was the music!" on vinyl
1: as well, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah, it, it was it actually on vinyl.
0: Yeah, it was funny and stuff, but I just wanted to hear more music. I just, could never get enough music. But, but um, yeah. So I was yeah, making. So, yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry. sorry. No, so God, you started making
1: in, so you started making them so then you turn to it yourself. You got yourself a keyboard or something, and then you was like, yeah. right, this is me yeah. now.
0: Well, on the back of that stupid babies record, which when I started telling you about my yeah. bedroom um excellent experiment, I, I sent the cassette to a label which was called Fast Product Records, and it was a really cool post-punk independent label in the late 70s run by the manager of the human league and it's the label that released the first human league album it released early joy division joy division it released daft the the german group daft which all these people were hugely influential on house and techno um you know jimmy polo that a lot of the the stuff that influenced the black dudes making Chicago house was like European was like white Europeans. So when people say, oh, it, it was a black music, it was not, it was cross pollinating craft work with like four whiter than white guys from like Dusseldorf. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, you know, like, there and it was, it's music's for everyone, you know. Derek May, another one of my idols, got up at the new music seminar in New York in 1990 um, and said, Adamski stolen the music from us, the blacks. And I'm like, oh, I was wow. so gutted, so yeah, for hurt. Sure, mate. that was like someone just stabbing me in the heart, you know. Because I that love that harsh. guy's music, yeah, and 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 then he'll go, oh, you know, he's really inspired by craftwork and the B 52s and he hates Tamla Motown, you know, they're from Detroit. That Motown was from Detroit, and he's like, I hate that music. So it's like, why is he kind of having a pop at me for? And I, you know, I used a nine oh nine drum machine, you know, basically the music I make is all these different things that I've grown up with, like my piano style, I would have said I got more from two-tone, from the specials and madness, you know, that, and I taught myself to play piano, and these sort sure. of poppy sort of um, rhythm, rhythmic things that I used to play, which I became famous Famous really i played the piano on jimmy polo's better days which is quite a legendary underground house track Um, then that piano was sampled by many people and that piano style was i didn't nick that from detroit that was just from my growing up with you know, British
1: different influences, music yeah, for sure. and
0: specials, and who were influenced by Jamaican music, who were influenced by this and that. And it's like nobody owns music, you know, music's for everybody. You can do whatever you like. I mean, I, it was, yeah, that was painful. I don't know, wait, how did I get onto that? And no, yeah, but- I used a, I I used a 909 drum machine, like. Derek May uh, but like many many people use the 909 drum machine but I wasn't using it to copy them I was I actually' I and bought your the sound 909. your album
1: yeah your album live and direct as well that was a unique to you I, I want to say that it mm. sounds like Derek may or it sounds like Detroit stuff
0: mm, mm. that was quite unique there was, and there's obviously, obviously you influenced are influenced by those they, dudes yeah yeah and they they opened up um a uh, you know, a, a, a world, a, yeah, yeah that w- where I could present that music. But you know, my influences would be like the Stranglers, the Doors, Devo, the Fall, Mantronic's, Suicide, sure. Craftwork, the Human League. My influences were like from all over the place, and and yeah, and Chicago house and Detroit techno as well, and and Itali, Italo disco. You know and he said oh he just took our music and put some poppy chords over it and um yeah it's a and, shame um, you got
1: kind of pointed out you know highlighted know. in the scenario
0: when yeah, i, I know, suppose I, there was a I lot of europeans by know.
1: 1990 there was a lot of europeans making house music wasn't there at that point and dance uh, music
0: yeah yeah but i mean so to point always, you out there always was really i mean yeah that like jimmy polo told me that in chicago they they really liked joy division which was dark gothy yeah. white guys yeah. from manchester they singing, no, they would do like line dancing
1: difference. they would they would do line dancing in clubs to craft work and yeah heavy heavy german instrumental music you know yeah surprising yeah. you know and the, everyone yeah. in the clubs black as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So to see them dance into like some really hardcore electro from Germany, it's like,
0: yeah, okay, you know? cool. And they were into it, George, it.
1: You know, George
0: Cran's track that din da da din da da din da oh, That yeah. was a big uh, yeah, well, I mean, there, big track. loads of tunes. Huge I mean, track. they also liked um. Who weren't white guys? I mean, it doesn't fucking matter what kind yeah, people sure. are. Yeah, for sure. But they liked, they loved Imagination, which was a British yeah. group too.
1: Imagination. Were...
0: No, 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 no. The group. Oh, not them. The song. You're singing the song. Oh, yes, of course, of course. I mean, the group Imagination that did, I can't remember a song, but they were like on top of the pops regularly, you know they were campers christmas you know with like sequined leotards and stuff but they were from like tottenham or somewhere lee john the singer um but they were you know the the influences on chicago house and and when you did killer you know
1: when you did killer adam i I think i read somewhere where you said something like it it reminded you of a theme song for an assassin or something. That's right. That's why I
0: that's why I called it Killer. The killer, in fact, because I just when I made that music in my bed I just imagined that, yeah, as a soundtrack. I was it was always something I've wanted to do is soundtracks. I never ever got round to it or never got asked or never networked with the right people. But I I actually did finally do some soundtrack work last year funnily enough that malcolm mclaren's son joe cory has made a film um about environmental issues and about uh the end of punk rock and things that his mother his mother is vivian westwood and his father was malcolm mclaren and
1: wow he's interesting this, combination
0: yeah he he's made this film uh, um called wake up punk and i've done the soundtrack to that but the films all got held up by johnny rotten saying you can't use this and you can't use that and that. Oh, so uh, but i i actually You've done your part. Did, i got round to doing some soundtrack work and actually i'm um, the satisfaction for me is even in just doing it I'm, i mean i hope for joe's sake the film seems seems sees the light of day but my pleasure is in just making the music and it doesn't really matter to me if people even hear it well obviously i'd like people to hear it and tell me oh we like your music but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day i mean with what's going on in the world um these days like music is the least of our worries really like (laughs) It's the least of our
1: worries, but at least it provides a lot of people with an escape. Do you know know
0: what I've I've really thought that acid house somehow, old school acid, new school, you know, current acid, as young people interpret it, or people make like acid house somehow seems like the really perfect soundtrack for the world today. I mean. Maybe it's just because I love Acid House, but I, I've been listening to Acid House doing the gardening, doing the cooking, working out, having sex, um, chilling out. Like, Acid House seems like the perfect soundtrack to everything, but it really... Like, I know that in the late 80s there was this sort of Acid House utopia. Like, it was this kind of new summer of love love and peace kind of movement but i also kind of saw it as a bit dystopian like all these people like off their nut and they were i you know We've got over pretending that it wasn't a massive <laughs> drug culture. You know, it's so funny when I see people it, sticking to in, that.
1: I'm like, dude, back come in on. the
0: day, like I. <laughs> we used to
1: pretend, but you know,
0: smash hits and stuff, and I would lie, not, not lie. I'd kind of avoid talking about the yeah. truth. You know, acid house and and its subgenres and associated genres was fantastic music don't get me wrong and i loved the music and i didn't only like the music because i was high but a big part of that whole scene was getting fucking yeah smashed off your box and um and uh you know i found that at the time even though as i said you know i used to like doing speed and i used to love getting drunk and smoking bongs and and picking magic mushrooms i was well familiar you know i was quite ingrained in you know drug culture and stuff i still you know ecstasy was all new and seeing thousands of people all on this drug looking kind of pretty vacant like i found that quite dystopian the same as i found being in london or now vienna and seeing the empty streets on a weekday and empty like public transport and everyone wearing masks it's very dystopian and somehow these things link together for me like I don't know why, like, I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, but I just... No, you totally
1: just, are, mate, you totally are.
0: It's a, a weird times, and those were weird, weird times, times too. For everyone. I remember yeah. you know, being outside the trip in Charing Cross Road in 88, right. and I didn't get in, there was too many people trying to get in. And again, I was... You had I to go
1: early, too, mate. You had to go... When you go to the trip at Astoria, you had to be there like half eight nine o'clock
0: right and i was just that, yeah. too i was too much of a timid guy to try and jump the queue and yeah. you know
1: and that's what you had kids. to do you had to walk yeah. around the corner and go straight to the front mate
0: you know yeah <laughs> so i didn't even go there i played there when Excellent. when they changed the name to sin the yeah. following year i played sin there. was
1: massive as well mate
0: yeah but i i never the trip as it was and my yeah. brother used to go there and tell me oh and that nicky holloway was playing um ty acid over by tyree on the wrong speed so it was going and i was like so jealous Dude. and that, that he was playing sledgehammer by peter gabriel sledgehammer these, alphabet and, uh,
1: street you know okay, by prince, prince. Oh. oh that was a big song big song i love i love dance with the devil when... yeah oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: massive well... massive songs and so for you so obviously at this point you'd already produced live and direct the album was no 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 first album how you hadn't produced it at this point you were still no, making well, singles or
0: no live and direct was it was um the tracks that I was playing around yeah. the orbital rave scene and yes. amnesia in eighty-nine. Yeah. I'd started, you know, in eighty-eight. Um I was I was still in this group called Discord Dacord with okay. my brother that was the Garden of Eden and another guy called Johnny Slut who who on and off we've done stuff together over the years. He's he was doing a club called Nag 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 about 15 years ago, which was round the back of the Astoria in a club called Ghetto, which is all flattened <laughs> now. It's all gone now. That was like the electro clash scene. That was, um, so, uh, and we, we had this band called Disco Dacord. And our last gig was at the Camden Palace actually supporting Nitzereb who Nitzereb did that, yeah. join, join in, the, in the chant, guns, guns, bombs, mm. bombs. Which Muscle was a massive, and hate. Yeah, <laughs> mass, another massive um, Ibiza tune. Uh, all these things are sort of interlinked. And um, uh, I was still living opposite Camden Palace when, so we did our last gig, um, so I had the tail end of... the head's chopped off a Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, right. I, I I changed my name to Adamski in 1988. In I heard this tape of this UFO conference, um, and they were talking about this guy called George Adamski, um, uh, who was a, like reckoned he'd been in UFOs and stuff like some mental, cool, like, Polish American guy. And I just thought that name just sounds like cool seems name, to dude. represent what I'm doing. My name is Adam and I just basically I gave my name a bit of a remix and um a bit of an update and uh, because in, in Discord Dacord my name was Adam Schmuck which is like a crap crap no, Because my mate was called Johnny Slut and I thought I need a name that sort of matches his that but it didn't quite it doesn't quite slip off the tongue. But anyway yeah. so I changed my name to Adamski. Um, I I had this project also called Legion of Dynamic Discord. I did a cover version of David Bowie's Rebel Rebel that Steve Jackson used to play on Kiss FM, but it was, I didn't really know how to make that sort of music and it was like lots of samples and it was like stupid really. It's more like a comedy record. But the B-side, I did the track called Alien Breed which was like kind of my interpretation of Acid House. Hazard a 303 um, or a uh, uh, Roland SH-101 bass line and like lots of stupid samples from like old sci-fi movies and stuff. And, and also in 88 was when I played the piano on Jimmy Polo's Better Days, which came out in 89. During this period from 88 to 89, you know, as I said, going to High on Hope and stuff, um, you know, High on Hope was more the kind of soulful and deep house mostly. And personally, I preferred, you know, the, the madder stuff, more instrumental, acid and techno. And every now and then he would like drop in something like, yo yo get funky um uh fast eddy or you know hip house with with the acid stuff and I'd be like yeah you know I mean I I've it it taught me I opened more different sorts of music and a tune that was really big then was um turntable orchestra gonna miss yeah. me when I'm You're gone to miss
1: me when I'm gone yeah
0: that piano and stuff so oh, great mate. um top but, tune. Um, So, and I was going to like, you know, the odd rave in Bermondsey or Queensway or Kingsway. And, you know, I was going, traveling around with either my brother who was the Garden of Eden.
2: Yeah.
0: Or, or with Jimmy Polo, um, who was, you know, going, boy, if Tyree Cooper could see this now, when there'd be like, you know, 200 people in, ponchos and like Day Glow converse running from the police trying to get into some warehouse or something
2: excellent uh, those are the days
0: excuse my terrible jimmy polo impression (laughs) um (laughs) anyway um but um so and and he was teaching me how to use this nsonic sequencer so i could put all my ideas together and present them and play them out and it just a series of coincidences or I don't really believe in coincidences I believe that everybody has their own destiny and it's all things happen for a reason and for whatever reason sure. the universe put me playing an all-dayer in heaven in
1: 1989
0: in March wow dear. um on a Sunday afternoon and it was before I even had I didn't even have a keyboard stand I had my synthesizer sequencer and 909 drum machine and I was kneeling on the stage with people dancing around me and stepping over me going what are you doing and like I'm pressing in these buttons (laughs) and playing and then what are it, you that,
2: doing <laughs> that
0: promote the promote and it went off i have to say you know it went it, ah, i mate. smashed it yeah. that was my first proper gig did you record I mean, one I, of
1: those for your album was there a live version or was,
0: there, not there am was was i thinking of something else they recorded mm. no there was bits of all these raves and bits and bobs recorded badly usually because we were all too off it to like remember yeah. to press record on the dat machine and Stuff but bits and bobs, and uh, we took World Dance in East Grinstead or somewhere, one of those big raves. Anton the Pirate did World Dance after he did Energy. Um, We had a mobile recording studio come down, and I was so off my head that I actually played Energy three times and I forgot (laughs) that I'd play it, play another track, and then just play it again and Excellent. listening back to the tapes i it's like oh my god but no one complained no and one complained that was a great myself. party though you you just played that tune like five minutes ago no one but no one that. cared did they no no one. no everyone no, just no. wanted to hear it
1: again everyone was caught in up in the moment because yeah. your, the music that you were creating reflected mm. the whole yeah. orbital generation you know it's people could actually they felt empathy for that. They felt that you was on this journey along with everybody else. So when they saw you playing at the parties, I mean, you played at Hacienda, you played at a beef, the opening of yeah. Amnesia. I mean, you did some yeah. gigs in Brixton Academy, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and then, so at what point when you, when you did killer, at what point did seal come into the, the framework?
0: Well, we became, he, uh, we used to go to Clapham Common for the after hours yeah, there were some uh, after. just you know. for those
1: who might not know. I mean, if yeah. you can explain it if you want.
0: Well, Sunday mornings, yeah. after big parties like Energy and uh, Sunrise and whatever, from early summer in 89, it became a sort of after-hours gathering on Clapham Common. Um, there was a pub there called The White Horse. I can't remember what it was, but basically... Uh, sort of from eight o'clock or so on Sunday morning, people would all come and hang out on the Common. And it started off just one or 200 people and there'd be kids <laughs> running around playing football. <laughs> and this guy called Mark M used to come and park with this red car. With his red um, Sierra. <laughs> that was it, yeah, Ford yeah, Sierra.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> and he used to park his car and he had a massive sound system in the boot and he'd open the back of the car and there'd be people just dancing around to tapes of DJ sets. And one of my sets was on a tape and just the people dancing around in the sunshine on Clapham Common. And then in a matter of weeks, people started turning up there with trucks and like <laughs> burger bands it's and all true. the rest of it. And took over sound the sound systems and yeah. But, but, and I kind of, I don't, I think I was... And hundreds and of,
1: hundreds of people were turning up at this point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or thousands. Yeah, even, you know. Uh, but but I I I think I must have been away in Ibiza this particular weekend. And uh, Seal went up to Daddy Chester, who was my MC and flatmate, and said, like, I saw your guy Adamski playing at Sunrise... Five thousand, which was at Santa Pod. Seal had just come back from touring Thailand with a jazz funk band or some random shit, <laughs> and um, he came just came back from Thailand. A mate of his had said, "You've got to see what's going on in Britain." Took him to Sunrise Five Thousand. He walked into the warehouse, or whatever, aircraft hangar, or whatever it was, <laughs> where while I was playing, and was like. I wanna sing for this guy and then he you know recognized Daddy Chester who's pretty recognizable like a Rasta dude with like luminous green metallic yeah. trousers on which were mine actually he was a
1: unique looking character perks, at that time you of, wouldn't see a geezer dressed like that uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> perks of perks of being my flatmate was like and me, and my size was like like having dibs like on my wardrobe yeah. but you know we used to share everything anyway and um so he gave uh daddy chester a cassette and said could you play that to adam uh which he did and it was a demo version of crazy and another song called sparkle um
1: wow.
0: which he'd recorded with this guy called Guy Sigsworth who went on to produce Bjork, Madonna, Sugar Babes, who's still a good friend of mine. I I became friends with Guy through Seal. Oh, God, am I, am I making this a bit too long-winded? Not at this? all. Not okay. at all. Adam, so, mate,
1: we're really interested so then, in what you've got to say, dude.
0: This is important. So, so um, I heard this cassette and I thought, well, amazing. And then I met Seal for the first time at this club called Solaris, which was both of our favorite club. Um, and the DJ, Aaron, um, Aaron Abdullah, who was a brilliant DJ, brilliant, inspiring DJ in London at the time, and still is, he's still DJing, not sure where currently, I'm a bit out of the loop, but um, I know he used to do those Sancho Panza, Things at the Notting Hill Carnival and all old stuff, but anyway, yeah, the San
1: part is the sound system. Yeah, the good parties. Yeah. That's that's who I used to go to when I go to Notting Hill.
0: Okay, well yeah, Aaron mate. does those, but he 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 was the resident DJ at Solaris, which became my favourite club in London in '89. From sort of towards the end of the summer, because I also it was on Sunday night and it clashed with confusion and. I'd, somehow managed to fit them both in. But anyway, I ended up- Another big shout
1: to Nicky Trax, my Confusion was just awesome, dude.
0: Yeah, and to Leslie Lawrence and Kid Bachelor, and all the rest of them. Um, And I used to play there in 89 too, I forgot. And I played in Solaris with Seal, just standing on the dance floor, no stage, plugged into the DJ console, live mic, Seal singing Killer to you know call my son um and um uh, yeah and apparently i was told that david cameron used to go to solaris and be lurking in the corner with his missus with a base sweaty baseball cap on and david cameron was in solaris the other day in the sun newspaper they picked up on me saying that somewhere I mean, it's pretty true. David Cameron is like our generation. Yeah. Apparently he was... And he became Prime
1: Minister of England, for those who don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Apparently he was down Solaris. Obviously he wasn't known as the Prime Minister of England then, so people wouldn't have batted an eyelid. But I was told he was mates with Tony Colston Hayter as well. who was the promoter of Sunrise. And, you know, he's from that kind of posh boy's background um which a lot of people that was a good thing about that scene too it was just kind of cut down all the barriers between the different classes of people and different races and that that was an an amazing whole big deal thing about it too that
1: yeah and for you personally having you know created music in your bedroom you know yeah. you've met you've you've hooked up with Seal now obviously you likes the track and now i mean yeah. how did that deal come about
0: well that was literally the spirit of the times you know i'd be open to collaborate with anybody um, you know there was a lot of people offering to sing on my music boy george who i have since gone on to record with who hey. i know from i know from that scene he said, um, "I could write a song for every single track on Live and Direct." You know, for those who don't know that album, it's wow. a completely an in- instrumental album. And I sort of was. not I thought, "Oh no, I don't really want Boy George to." do No, retrospectively, I so wish I had. I mean, the fact is, I could actually. No, but that's still just insane, though,
1: mate. That you went from yeah. you've done all this music in your bedroom. Obviously, you yeah. listen to Boy George. Boy George was an international star. And now, boy, George is saying to you, "Let me write a song for your album." And you're saying, "Nah." For every single
0: track. Yeah, yeah. Right for now. every
1: track, you're like, "Nah."
0: <laughs> and I could have, I could have, you know, like I said, I got friendly with Mick Jones from the Clash. I could have probably got him to sing on it. But, but, um from these well-known people, there was all, you know, kind of my peer group, all these creative you know individuals on the club scene you know rappers and singers and sure. DJs, Any, anyone would but, have worked with you mm, at that
1: point i mean just well, being around you there was such excitement that was around you and it was so exciting whenever anyone knew that you were going to be performing live that night it really you know it, it really heightened everybody's excitement you know mm, and that's the yeah, truth
0: that's, oh thank you well that's yeah, I'm, I'm flattered. Yeah, um, but um, but um, uh, so in it was just the spirit of the times that this dude Seal had a well approached me and with this amazing demo and I'm like yeah, but before it kind of came to pass, we were just hanging out in Solaris and I don't think you'll mind me saying this because he's on record saying it himself in the recent BBC interview, as we were just off off, off our gourds on ecstasy.
1: Yeah, all, like the that... rest of a generation, like all yeah, of exactly. us. Yeah, exactly. That's how like...
0: we, we bonded through chemicals. And yeah. then at some point, and, and Seal used to keep on my sofa, you know, he before he was this sort of sexy, like you know, soul god living in Hollywood, dressed in leather and riding around on a motorbike and smoking Davidoff cigars and stuff. He was like wearing like like old jogging bottoms and riding around on a moped with his like dreads hanging out of his helmet and like looking on this moped that looked really like too small because he's big you know he's like six foot two or something and he's got this little moped and he'd be staying on my sofa and we'd be hitting the clubs together and and then i'm like one day i said look you know i've got to put some demos together for a a, for a single i don't know what i'm going to do next but you know come around the studio and just like have a let's have a crack at doing something and pick any of my instrumentals that you like. And he worked, can I have that one? And um, your assassinations,
1: uh, your, your assassins theme. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. The killer. And he said, Oh, I've got these lyrics that I wrote a song called the killer coincidentally. Wow. um, And these lyrics kind of fit over the music. And I was like, can you kind of do it in the, Because from the Balearic scene, all this that we were talking about before, all these these different genres sort of crossing over together, I was really, like, feeling like I wanted to do something, like, really with a rock, sort of Led Zeppelin kind of attitude. And I'm like, okay, can you sing those words, but kind of in the style of Led Zeppelin with that... that, um, approach that um and kind of and um so and that's what came out of it it didn't have a chorus I, I because i was into instrumental music from detroit and stuff i thought for me the the chorus was just those bells going do 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 it didn't have to be a human being singing anything sort of too a lot of eighties Pop music, it was when, you know, just a synth line was enough, uh, like a a hook on the synth kind of was enough, like, you know, orchestral maneuvers in the dark or blancmange or these bands just had a hook on the synth that was the bit that people remembered. So for me, it didn't, it, it just needed those lyrics about freedom, so you want to be free, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was enough that it just went into you know thinking about what the dancers in the hacienda did when they heard those strings come in, and it it was enough. But the A and R guy, the A and R guy at MCA was like, but "You've got to have a chorus," and I was like, "Oh, so you know you've got to have a chorus." And uh, he was he was cool. Um, his name was Paul Doggett. He passed away about. 10 years ago of lung cancer. But he was a great guy, you know, he gave me pretty much carte blanche to do what I liked. Um, He came to the raves and came to shoom and he, you know, he was like, he was, um, he was cool. Um, And I liked him, we were mates. And then he said, yeah, write a chorus. So Seal actually went away with this guy guy sigsworth and came up with this solitary brother line because i i think at the time i didn't even really know what solitary even meant to be honest it's of sort of, not. not a sort of word in my vocabulary it's a bit too intellectual oh solitary you know but <laughs> <laughs> but whatever um so they came up with that line seal and guy sigsworth and um Guy Sigsworth is he he wrote um, what it feels like for a girl for Madonna, and he used go to on. do when he was producing Sugar Babes, He'd go like, "Why don't you go out and you, you you three go out and get a bite to eat, and then him and the engineer would like do the backing vocals, but girl voices with like <laughs> pitch, put it through a pitch shifter and auto tune and stuff." And because it was t- taking too much time to get the girls to do it, and them. Um, he's a great guy. guy. Guy Sigsworth is actually a professor of 16th century harpsichord, wow, like that's what he studied at uni. And then, then he was like really into death metal music, but then in between, he could work with people like. Sugar babes and Madonna, and like making like <laughs> sugary pop songs. So on, I've met some odd and in- very interesting people in my time. But like I said, I met him through Seal. So that's how Killer came about, really. Wow. And, dude. Then, and then it just happened to happen at the same time as the Berlin Wall coming down and the opening up of the Eastern Bloc and it kind of became a lot of people have told me who are from the ex you know ex-east germany and ex you know poland and places like that that it became an anthem for them because it was it this song about freedom and and also even south africa the end of apartheid just people like related to those massive lyrics. moment mate and, and to um, be connected so, to that wow i know i'm super super proud and i don't know why you know honestly like that track meeting seal writing that bass line which is you know that song that's been covered like by george michael and i remade it myself recently with boy george the on, aforementioned boy george but also with a whole host of other different sorts of people, um, bringing different vibes to sure. it for the for the 30th anniversary. Quite sad. Called it "Free to Kill" again because it kind of seems to great sink. name. Um, but it it's you know that there's been so many bootlegs and mashups and remixes and cover versions. I'd say um, for a song of of that genre, even though it's not, is it house, is it techno, is it pop music, it's not quite fitting exactly into a genre. But for a song from that whole scene, that associated scene, I think it must be the most covered song. I mean, I don't I haven't done my research, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I yeah. it just you seems, haven't done a survey, but <laughs> it seems to me it's a I huge track of that played a huge part in so many era. people's
1: lives for sure mate it's it's right, such an so, impactful song and it's it's one of those songs that you you expect to hear I'm
0: freezing but it's actually cold oh brother yeah. well look let's so, so
1: so obviously so you've done that track with seal it was a massive massive hit and then what was that like going at the top of the pops dude
0: well i went i already went on top of the pops before with energy like that energy was my first hit and Top of the Pops said it's the first time they'd had an instrumental hit for about a decade so they didn't know how to present it just a guy standing there with a synthesizer so I had Daddy Ah. Chester with me he was he was not only my MC he was my dancer he was a Flatmate,
1: dancer, friend.
0: Yeah, well, he was a brilliant dancer around the scene, you know, from on um, like from before, before I knew him. I mean, I knew him before acid house because he lived around the corner from me in Camden, and I'd seen him around and like got friend. We got friendly, and he came and that my band Disco Dacord. He came and emceed for us a couple of times, which Excellent. was completely probably out of his comfort zone because we were like mental like i used to shave my head and glue mirrors to my head and wear like like silver jackets and women's pants (laughs) and we did nuts kind of music um but anyway um I, i digressed again when when i did top of the pops first time i had daddy chester and he yeah, Is energy because that must
1: have been insane. So before we get yeah. to the second one with Seal, I'm really sorry, mate. I I totally bypassed energy. <laughs> oh, right, okay. What was that one like, dude? First well, time.
0: Well, that was okay. I w- energy was like that was the tune that got me noticed on the on the on the scene. You know, energy. The riff of energy was like kind of like my theme tune. <laughs> Like yeah, a a massive song <laughs> massive like song that used to um that used to uh yeah that would i mean that was what i opened my set with in amnesia 89 i usually open my set with that because it was sort of like hello it's like kind of like my fanfare that sound which yeah, I yeah made it that was in my, your intro i made that, he's on. that Again, it's another thing I just made, you know, probably on a Tuesday morning in my bedroom above the kebab shop, you know, and that it became this really loud, like, what the fuck sort of thing. But then, yeah, that ended up being my first hit. That was my first single release as Adamski. And And actually signed with
1: MCA at this point.
0: By that point, yeah, I signed with them in, like, October or November eighty okay. nine. So and they're getting th-
1: your record out to the distribution. So now, yeah, rather than it just being on the underground, now it's actually mm. it was getting out into all the record yeah. shops and.
0: And then the the was that the bottle
1: front cover. That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I bought um, that. I bought that. I still got it.
2: Uh, oh.
1: Yeah, and um, I remember. um I read somewhere. Obviously, it could be record company spin, but. Um, There was like a CEO of Lucasaid or something, and and he was you know his son had brought home this album or whatever, and it had the Lucasaid bottle on it.
0: Yeah, And then he'd seen it,
1: and then he sued it. I was wondering if that was true or just a. Yeah, no. They sued.
0: They sued. Oh, so it was probably true then. Yeah. That we agreed out of court that if I gave five grand to a charity, uh, the Nordif Robins, I think it was music had to ha- help disabled people or disadvantaged in some way. People, kids make music. Um, so, yeah, I had to give five grand to this charity for using the the Lucas A. Which wasn't bad, then.
1: considering they could have made you pull. Poor- all of them albums anything with yeah. the bottle off the shelf including but then i mean they've done all the adverts mca didn't they they've done all the yeah. you know all the yeah. the press ads and everything the posters have been done and again lucas was the, the the soft drink of the periods lucas yeah, uh, and water. Alcohol. yeah no one was drinking they, alcohol we no, didn't have just, any bars we didn't have an alcohol bar in the spa in the nah. space yeah. So that was one of the reasons why you went with, obviously with the Lucasade bottles. Yeah. Was that your idea? Was that the record company?
0: Yeah. It was, to be honest, it was some marketing woman yeah. in the record. Yeah.
1: Makes sense. And they wrote company. your name on it.
0: To be honest, I I hated man. I hated Lucasade because it reminded me of when I was a kid and I was mm. ill in bed with flu and yeah. and my mum. I mean, I liked it. I like the taste of it, but that was the only time I ever drank Lucasade. No, I make you right. It's
1: the same as us. same as me, mate. You never my drank mum would,
0: My mum would bring me a glass of Lucasade. So when the the early raver acid house people were drinking Lucasade, it just made reminded me of being ill in bed, which was like I was like, oh, so. <laughs> but so then, that's just
1: bizarre now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah but then but then ironically and and unpleasantly really lucas a started using nrg the way i re- wrote i called my song they started using that as their slogan they wow. started putting up posters with nrg
2: Wow! and the reason dude. i
0: called it nrg Um, and rather than energy I wanted to name it energy after that energy rave which was you know the most mind-blowing that was the best party I'd ever been to in my life yeah at that point I
1: tell people that too
0: until until I went to amnesia opening which was I guess a few weeks after that um that then that became the best party I'd ever been to and then I went probably somewhere else which became the best party you don't know but um mm. I do I I have I must I can say hand on heart that I I went to and was involved in some of the greatest parties of the 20th century you were. <laughs> but, and I witnessed but, it
1: I saw you. Mate. Yeah, I, 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 I empathize with that.
0: <laughs> but I went to um, I wanted to name it energy after that energy party. And then I had a bit of a to do with um, the the energy guys with Tintin Chambers and uh, Jeremy Taylor. Something about my dog weed in Jeremy's car or something i can't remember <laughs> what it was classic but i fell out with them i mean i'm sure it's all water under the bridge long gone i mean i've never seen jeremy taylor since those days i know he after he did that um he went on to run the mr blobby theme park <laughs> noel Edmonds is mr blobby yeah because
1: park. it's on his family's land isn't it so that's okay. probably yeah that's probably why well, again, the, the no Edmonds house party that's that's the family uh, that's house
0: oh that was on my family's land imagine yeah, that yeah. being someone that well to the man of bone isn't it that that's that's
1: his gaff. oh okay I, ju- I mean
0: i like yeah. i liked him i remember seeing him i when interviewed him
1: on the let, podcast
0: he let his hair down a bit and he took his shoes and socks off at, yeah. on clapham common or somewhere and he was like, because he never took yeah, any drugs was, yeah, yeah he, 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 he never actually had any
1: ease he never he never right, took no, any ease. I read just yeah. read
0: that in Cheryl Garrett's book that well, good for him, you know. Yeah. Was that's a, what I said. There was that a I rare said. few minority of people that weren't yeah. taking pills. Um, very
1: few and far uh, between though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um there was that guy, Roger, that always used to film everything. Um, yeah. Um, go around with the camera. Roger, I forget his name,
1: Roger. He disappeared, yeah. didn't he, for a while?
0: Yeah, he's sort of around now some in some he never used to take ease and i said to him god you're that guy that never used to take drugs and he's like yeah, i don't even know why i didn't it wasn't like he was like a christian or something he just well that's what jeremy somehow, said
1: th- that's, that's what jeremy taylor thing, says he's like it wasn't you know it wasn't intentional it just mm. just happened that way mm. but let's go let's fast forward Try now either.
0: So, God, sorry. I just wanted to say, uh, on, yeah, I saw Tintin about five years ago. I went to see Public Enemy did a few gigs for only a hundred people. Cool. And I went to see them. Uh, it was in a big studio. I think it's Olympic Studios or a big studio um in London. And they uh, there were only a hundred people there. Cool, dude. Uh, Liam Gallagher was there dancing and. Uh, few Ronnie Size, I recognised a few people there, and it was quite, I mean, Public Enemy, but before like Acid House, the middle of the '80s for me, I didn't say, but when I first moved to London, it was Def Jam, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, sure. Run DMC, and then Mantronics that were sure. their own sleeping bag records. I think. Yeah, Master Flash
1: but, and the Furious no, that Five. Was even,
0: that was a bit before that, but this mid '80s period when hip hop really, you know, when they did the hot like Rick Rubin, like mixed in the heavy metal, yeah, with and activism, the and, mm. yeah, with we, like Walk This Way and um, the Beastie Boys like No Sleep Till Brooklyn and yeah, this, you've got all to fight that for and, the
1: right, and we yeah. were fighting for the right, wasn't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to do a mashup with that Beastie Boys one with an Acid House tune for like Excellent. a tune that, that should have been meant to Me be, then. that never was. Yeah, yeah. Right. just like rewrite a bit of history. Because I've never heard no anyone one...
1: link those two songs together, you know, that soundtrack no, yeah. from the Beastie Boys, you got to yeah. fight. Because we were yeah. fighting, literally fighting yeah. for our rights, you know. But yeah. so we fast forward mm-hmm. and you're doing some remixes. Is that right to say? I mean you haven't stopped making music, have you?
0: No, I never stopped. Yeah. No, I just So how many how many albums
1: in or I mean you may not be counting, I mean where are you now in terms of your music well, career?
0: Albums I've made i f I've only made about five whole albums in my life. Um now um I'm called Firefly, which is more Razan it's kind of an experiment. They, have they've done like um, they do back catalog stuff for like people like Jimi Hendrix and stuff, but I'm their first ever living artist that they're working with. So they're, they're like, they're really sweet guys. They're more like benefactors. Like they're enabling me to work on my music and keep me going. And then so far we've released energy it's anniversary was last year, 30th anniversary. So 30th I redid anniversary.
1: That Go on, Sam.
0: As I called it Re-Energize, and nice. I made made a few new versions of Energy, just reimagined it, not remixes. I got the, the same synthesizer, same sounds, the same bits, and I sped them up and slowed them down and just made different versions. I sampled things like... Um, i um, high energy from that Ian Levine, that DJ who used to be the resident at Heaven when it was a gay club. Um, I've forgotten the name of the artist, he got to sing that, but I like mashed it up with things like that and like kind of just made these nuts new versions. And then this year, being the 30th anniversary of Killer, I made this EP mini album called Free to Kill Again and as we talked about Excellent. earlier I, I got boy george to re sing it i got nina hagen who's famous they call her the godmother of punk you know she was a, she's a german she was a german opera singer who started making punk rock in 76 in in germany and then was around the early punk scene and um she sang a version that's kind of nuts and um some younger people, I got this guy called Theo Zero to do a version that's a very much um, a, 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 about, I mean, all, all the new versions have kind of a new message within them, like the Nina Hagen versions, kind of like my vegan version. And then the Boy George version is like the environmental version because a couple of we recorded it a couple of months before all the rainforest fires started but i my production sort of idea was to said to george like can you write, write a new chorus so it takes it up to another level and he came up with this line everything is burning 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 and it was just before all the the literally the Australian and Brazilian massive fires and it was like kind of philosophical prophet of doom kind of stuff but and then it's mixed, recorded with and mixed by legendary dub producer Adrian Sherwood who's like you know a British yeah. guy but he brought all, all the Jamaican MCs over in the 80s he brought over like
1: hugely influential Starlight character and, yeah
0: yeah you roy and all these uh, bim Sherwood, bim sherman sorry um, all these like amazing jamaican influential people and work with daddy freddy and blah 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 lots of people uh, on new sound recordings so with george he'd always wanted to work with adrian and i'm good mates with adrian and we kind of and thought well, let's make it like George's first love is reggae and you know do you really want to hurt me his first breakthrough hit was kind of a reggae tune and it was kind of great to revisit George's reggae roots with uh, someone who's very respected in the reggae world doing a version that's almost like steppers like lover's rock kind of version of killer, but it's still got original sounds from killer. But then with all Adrian Sherwood's amazing dub effects and George's powerful voice. I mean, that's available now. Give it a little plug. Um, That version that's just called killer, but other versions. And where do people get that from? They can just go to um, Amazon or iTunes or, Listen to it on Spotify, the usual digital platforms. Sorry, you see that Sorry. pen?
1: You see, you see that pen? It's making yeah. a really loud noise in the headphones. Sorry, it's one of these eight <laughs> <80s laughs> There's going to be people listening really... going, What's that yeah. bloody noise?
0: He's still got his, he's still got, got the pen 80s from pen.
1: The 1980s. Excellent um, quality. That was a good pen, man. That was one of those, those biros, just for people who's just listening. That was one of those biros. It has like different colors when you just pull the thing down. Yeah, look. Yeah, look at that, dude. You can choose. Old school, mate.
0: Choose, I'll have neon green. Old school.
1: Light. So what do you think?
0: Prince um, principal Yeah, mate.
1: So do you think then, you're going to tour with this? Go on. No, go on.
0: Uh, no. I mean, the, the party that we had planned for March, it was released on 30 years to the very day when Killer came out in 1990, but unfortunately, that coincided, it was about two days before official lockdown. Oh, and man. we had we had a party we were going to do, in the, there's a studio in King's Cross called Play Deep Studio. Okay. And they've got this big room there that holds about 150 people. It's really like like a new york loft party from the 80s the walls aligned with vinyl records they got an amazing sound system and lights we were all set i've done a couple of parties there already with some other people but we were all set to do the big launch of the free to kill again uh, project but then responsibly we had to cancel because it was just the big begin- you know when the the virus started to really kind of take over everyone's life and um
1: yeah and we kn- and no so one knew where it was going to lead did, no. did they no one knew what's, no. what was going to
0: happen next so um, so we were g- all gutted to have to cancel this party um anyway george was in australia filming for the voice because he's one of the judges on the voice and he kind of got stuck in Australia and Nina Hagen's stuck in Germany. And we we couldn't, you know, I was my younger singers. Um, I've got a singer called Hannah Jane, who's like wasn't even born when the original killer came out. She's she's the niece of a good mate of mine called Barnsley, who's actually the guy responsible for the smiley face being the image of acid house okay because he 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 designed uh bomb the bases record sleeve
1: yeah tim
0: uh mm. with yeah with the smiley face that he took from the watchman okay. and then id used it is that before is, was that
1: before shum
0: yeah that was like 86 okay. or 87 oh, Okay, and ah. then what happened was barnsley was selling t-shirts a mutoid Waste. Um, party mutoid, mutoid waste, waste used to put on, they used to put on these big um epic warehouse, parties, yeah, epic, epic, epic and mate. the music was pretty much hip hop. And then, like everyone and everything else, they kind of went acid house. Um,
1: but they but they oh, went acid ass a little bit late though, didn't they? They didn't jump in it straight away well, it was because
0: not straight away, it was yeah, it because was, that allowed us, yeah,
1: because that allowed. Us other promoters because mm. if the MUTO Boys were just doing it from day one and didn't stop, you know, they would have been the top firm without a shadow of a doubt. But,
0: yeah, well, because they had all the they had all the parts, they had the creativity. Too, I went to one know, of their parties, they transformed
1: under the West, venues, didn't they?
0: Under the West Way, yeah, was especially that venue. Fantastic. I've been fantastic. It was there. a great party. Yeah. The music, the music was. Yeah, it was predominantly hip hop and stuff that was around. Yeah. You know, but it was great. But it was no, it's still
1: great. But we were as per, we were lucky yeah. that Muertied yeah. kept that eclectic mix because they
0: didn't latch onto it.
1: Yeah, because yeah, where people they just wanted to hear acid hours They didn't really want to hear hip
0: hop or.
1: But so we one were one of lucky. their dudes.
0: One of they had a do in um, in Kentish Town in the old post office. They. Or post office headquarters, they squatted that like the North London sorting centre or something that I guess it was disused, and they took it over and had a party in there. And I performed there with my project Discord Dacord, and their Dj there actually were playing like punk and stuff you couldn't even dance to. And we came on did our sort of, we were a sort of cross between, the Beastie Boys and Zig Zig Sputnik that was kind of and and we came on and we were on one of their big sculptures like a truck turned into a A fire breathing truck yeah yeah dinosaur (laughs) skeleton made out of (sighs) like like spanners or something and we got booed off because their crowd were like, yeah, crusty squat. Well, that was my that point. This...
1: They were a slightly yeah, different yeah. crowd from us lot. They, yeah,
0: they did do. They had this one in Kings Cross that was in '88, and it was the music was acid, and Barnsley was selling smiley t-shirts there, or wearing them, and Danny Rampling was there ah. and saw that and saw the smiley and thought of the connotations and. Maybe ask Barnsley if he could sell the T-shirts at Schum or something. But it's because of Barnsley and his visionary, um, aesthetical skills with fashion and style styling. And he's a really good mate of mine. Still, wow, actually.
1: dude, that's interesting.
0: It, it, the smiley face is him, and he doesn't really get the credit for it. He, you know, the smiley was invented by some American in yeah, the seventies but he revived it and made yeah. it become the emblem.
1: Well, and Danny's and they give Danny Rampley in the credit for it. Now I don't know they? They, they actually yeah. give the, the credit to Danny and they say it was Danny yeah. that brought in the smiley face. From,
0: he got it from Barnsley. I'm sure Danny would be the first to admit that Barnsley, it, it came from Barnsley's uh, idea. Anyway, yeah, Barnsley's niece, Hannah, um, she was singing like a couple of years ago she was touring with primal scream and stuff doing backing vocals and she did some duet with Bobby Gillespie and stuff she's like she's like a young rock chick she likes all this like punk rock and glam rock and stuff from before she was born even no from when I was a kid and but she wasn't born when killer was um out, you know, she's she's like 22 or 23 now, and she's sung a version, and I Excellent. made it, you know, I went back to my like little punk rock, do it in the bedroom roots again, and I'm playing bad guitar on it, sort of out of tune, and she's screaming it a bit, and there's there's that version. Um, uh, It's on there, there's another version with this guy, Theo Zero. With uh, some some rap from Mickey Blanco, who's a a, a a wicked US rapper from I think she's from LA. Um, oh, from New York, is she? No, I don't know. But she's I I like. She had a track called Wavy about seven years ago, cool. and I always wanted to work with her. And then it turns out like she's. Like staying with Theo Zero while she was visiting London, and and Theo's like, oh, um, and Theo's dad was the drummer in the Stone Roses. Wow, and also dude. Worked, so many also connections. I know. Oh, also, he was the drummer for Rebel MC, who's now Congo Natty, who's yeah. a mate of mine, who I've like used to used to see on the rave scene. Yeah, be Mike same, West. Yeah, yeah, the same billing um you know and he was then he was rebel mc and now he's congo natty like the sort of godfather of jungle or whatever they call him um but i still see him around in ramsgate and stuff but um so 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 so,
1: yeah go on carry on because you're the remixes yeah
0: yeah Theo they're not remixes I must emphasize oh, sorry sorry if they're remakes they're remakes I've oh you've totally I remade still, them totally remade them I still Go got on. the same old synth with the same old sounds but excellent I re- re-recorded and rebuilt everything to give them you know an upcycling yeah. it's upcycled they're upcycled they've all got the same original message but a new message as well as i said george's one is the environmental one nina hagan's one is like the kind of i'm a vegan i'm a passionate vegan so it's got the sure. freed freedom for not just the people but for the animals you know yeah. because i did um,
1: notice one thing i did notice of recent times was you was DJing in that pink boat at the extinction rebellion demo. oh yeah, that's is that correct right,
0: yeah, and the, yeah, in the middle of Oxford Street. Yeah,
1: you're I in mean, the middle of Oxford Street in a big pink boat.
0: As, as experiences go and as being proud of things go, that's up there with the playing the opening of Amnesia in 89 and playing at uh, Energy at West Waste Film Studios and, you know, Which, playing which means that, that was of, a
1: in, pivotal moment in your life basically that's what you're saying
0: yeah and how surreal like it was like what monday afternoon and i'm in a pink boat in the middle of oxford circus like you had to wait for the police you know a gap because the police were like arresting people and (sighs) ungluing them from the the base of the boat Thing, the stand yeah because this on... pink
1: boat was part of this massive protest that, that yeah. was like you know the country wide people were you know handcuffing themselves and chaining themselves to different things so in effect people are taken over the street and there was this pink boat in the middle of an oxford street and there was our boy adam on,
0: son well people still aren't taking that stuff seriously they will take the piss out of greta thunberg the teenager who's been you know, advocating like environmental issues, I'll get quotes of because I'm not very I'm sorry. I've got the pen again. I just it's you can have the pen, it's video. just clicking it, it's just clicking it. That's okay, all. don't click it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I'm uh, 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 um, I'm working on a best of, but my own, my own best of, not like things I've done that have been more commercially successful necessarily just my own personal favorites of my four decades of being a music bedroom music maker so i'm doing that for like probably springtime things hello yeah yeah, i'm there still was, here mate there was a weird noise just then i think i was there might be... yeah but um so I'm working on that and it's going to include obscure things, probably things that weren't even ever released. That that I'm that's gonna be the then my next thing, but excellent. Also, oh you know, killer, free to kill again is available now. There's a video with the Theo Zero featuring Mickey Blanco version. That version is called Painkiller. There's an instrumental version called Lady Killer, which is a whole different it's got the same baseline and some of the same eh, 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 sounds, but it's kind of a complete refresh update, different version, instrumental. Um then there's uh the version with Boy George made with Adrian sherwood There's also a video for on, that. Sam. So you can go on YouTube, look for free. I'll put the videos there. on
1: the page as well yeah oh great yeah, yeah no i will so, put all the resources you've mentioned i'll add them all onto your page
0: there's two videos that would have been more had it not been for the pandemic so. um, there's also a video for one of the versions of Reenergize. energize maybe two there's all those they're all available to buy or just listen to for free on spotify like everyone else why would you go and buy them now like my daughters who are 19 and 29 Wow, neither dude. of them has. Neither of them has ever bought any music in their it's life.
1: Bizarre, isn't
0: it? Ever, mate? And they're nuts. like, why? Why would you buy it? Like, That's
1: nuts. You know. I mean, it, it was such a pleasure to go to a record shop and buy. it, yeah. me- wasn't it? Buy that final. I still do. Yeah, I still
0: mate. do. I mean, but I must say, I really, really do love, like surfing YouTube, and I love Spotify. I love i love making playlists on spotify yeah. and ha- having the algorithm play back my playlists
1: Amazing in a order
0: that as a dj i would never have thought of and i think that algorithm which is just a load of digits in some in cyberspace yeah, zeros is and a, ones yeah. is, a, <laughs> is a better dj than anybody it's <laughs> a better dj than alfredo or frankie knuckles or France, well, Rome, that's no, where not we are, really. AI, no, could, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, but I do enjoy the new technology, but I still, I like going to a flea market and yeah. rifling through old vinyls in me too, Austria too. It's inspiring. And Wait, I, I tell you what, I've Adam, gone the world you,
1: you, have, you are inspiring, mate, and you, you have been an oh, inspiration to a hell of a lot of people. And I am so glad that I was, sure me you you and thousands too. of people, that were part of your journey, that we were able to go along, come along for the ride with you, mate. Yeah. And as I said, there was a lot of influences that came from all around the world, but you were our guy, you were our guy. You you, you took on board all those influences that came and then you made your own songs. And those yeah. songs directly reflected the mood of the entire country at that time. And so when we heard them, they were just as important to us. You were just yeah. as important to us as Derek May, joe smooth or any of those other cats you were just important wow. to this whole movement than any one of those chaps and it's just been an absolute pleasure to reconnect with you once Thank again Thank you, Wayne. and you know that's coming from Thank the you heart so much. it's a pleasure to reconnect with you once again and i mm. honestly wish you so much luck with this with with your the redos of the killers and anything else mm. you do because you really deserve you know so many good things to come in your way brother
0: thank so you so much wayne it's been really fun it's been fun mate it's and, been such a pleasure i'm so glad our paths crossed back then and, yeah, and again dude. now yeah i'm mate. really looking forward to reading your book i'm totally anyone, you know i i've only just started reading all the books about that era yeah um, during well, because lockdown, we were all living it wasn't
1: we so yeah. yeah
0: we were living it i didn't yeah. really need to read it but yeah. now i'm enjoying I'm enjoying reading a lot of stuff during lockdown. Not not only stuff about acid house, but all sorts of other things.
1: Totally, uh, mate. yeah. I it's like a good reading. Time. Yeah, it's a good time I to like catch reading.
0: up. Reading. Maybe I'm old school in that sense too. That I actually like reading.
1: Yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, well, it's <laughs> audio books don't now, buy mate. music. <laughs> well, why, it's why audio books have, now?
0: <laughs> yeah. Why Why would you have books? Why would you have records? Like yeah. actually, the last project I did. Which is this box set called Revolt on ten vinyls? Cool. I did stuff with Congo Natty, cool. Lee Scratch Perry,
1: Wow, um, dude, Very Asia cool.
0: Argento, the Italian actress, various people on the David McAllman, the brilliant British Excellent. soul voice. Um, uh, all the I did this thing called Revolt, and some of the people involved were like eighteen, nineteen, these singers and I gave them a vinyl to say, here's your vinyl, you know, thanks, and they were like, what is that?
2: <laughs> what then, am I gonna do with this? That's they just funny. left
0: it in, the, they were in the car, you know, we yeah. were going to some interview or something, and they just left it in the car. They just probably thought it's just like What's a this? flyer or something. How you know? funny. I know. Fun- they At least you
1: got to keep them though.
0: Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. But look, yeah,
1: I let you go, too. brother, listen. Mm um uh, again you're live and direct from vienna you know you're living in vienna nowadays and we really hope that you know you, the city recovers in the best way
0: it Hence can Hence, my my very typical austrian God cupboard The are are alive right yeah. and the beams on the roof yeah this is i'm living inside a cuckoo clock God and son. uh yeah i'm i i have i'm i can't be asked i'm a very lazy cuckoo but I should be on the hour every hour. Like, <laughs> the, wife, my... the wife will get you out there,
1: don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm wearing <laughs>
0: my Sesame Street Big Bird outfit, <laughs> just popping out on the veranda and Excellent. telling all the neighbours what time it is. Excellent. But, Adam, hey kids, what time is it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, <coughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, loads yeah. and loads of love. I want and thanks to thanks for you. your time once again. And we'll definitely hey, do this again. Yeah, stay we'll definitely do this again, mate. I will do, definitely. Okay. And I'll give you a call in a couple of days, yeah? All right, mate. Listen, Thanks. mate, loads of love, mate. It's lovely to see you, mate. See you soon. You. Big love, dude. Take care. Loads of love to the wife, yeah? All right, mate. Take care now. See you, mate. Do you think it's anything to do with a certain religion,
2: do
0: you think? No, like it's not
2: that. No, it's that? more to do no. with a
0: kind of a drug, isn't it? It's a drug. Yeah, well, those that take it want to be, ought to be ashamed well. of themselves.
1: According to the Sun, there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250 foot
0: long hangar.
2: Drugs, sex, sensation.
0: Some newspapers have called acid house music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organisers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young
2: as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from The
1: Mail and The Sun.
0: There's meant there's to be a drugs related, Grace. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. No, unless rather. it's just the music that it does it. it. Oh, All no. them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even go in the no. pub where them lights are. Huh? Oh, oh, no, they drive no. you mate, don't they?